All right, let's uh, let's talk about some stuff. Um, many of you sent me clips of this sort of coming out party interview that former Democratic Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard did on the Joe Rogan uh, program, and it's it's really pretty bad. Um, one of the things that was just bad about it is this cat litter box story again rears its ugly head. This is a story that has been repeated so many times now about a teacher who installed a litter box for a student who identifies as a cat. And it's like, are we we're still telling this debunked story? Listen to this. There's kids ready for this. My friend, his wife is a school teacher and she works at a school that had to install a litter box in the girls room. Because there is a girl who's a furry oh who identifies goodness. as an animal. And her mother badgered the school until they agreed to put a litter box in one of the stalls. Yeah. So this girl goes into the litter room or to the, the girl's room. The litter room. That's genius. And urinates or whatever. I don't know if she poops in it. That's pretty gross. <laughs> that's you know I mean? Like if you could teach your cat, by the way, here's the thing. If you could teach your cat. To use the toilet, you would. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. Like, you don't want a box of piss <laughs> yeah, in your house. Right. It's the worst. I've had cats my whole okay. life. It's the worst thing about having cats. you got to clean that box of piss every day. Yeah. Like, it's the greatest thing about dogs. All right. Um, I, again, it's always like this friend, that friend. Okay, what school exactly is this happening at? Because it's already been debunked multiple times. Uh, Nebraska lawmaker apologizes for debunked litter box claim. A Nebraska state lawmaker apologizes after he publicly cited a persistent but debunked rumor alleging that schools are putting litter boxes in bathrooms to accommodate children who self-identify as cats. That was Senator Bruce Bostelman. Um, that's from March. There's another one of these stories. Reuters fact check. Fa- uh, Michigan School District did not place litter boxes in student restrooms. This one's from January. Social media users are sharing a video of a Midland Public School Board of Education meeting where a community member says litter boxes are in bathrooms for students who identify as furries. And that's also not true. How could anyone really still believe this at this point? Then they get into a conversation about DeSantis. And, you know, the the, the sort of slippery thing about Tulsi is everything is always couched. sort of like we got to escape the two party system, the duopoly. It's not working. Yeah. Almost all of us agree with that. But then to come to something like, well, DeSantis is the most reasonable in that context, that doesn't really make any sense. I think if they had someone like Ron DeSantis, who seems to be like the most reasonable amongst the the potential candidates, he seems to be, you know, a a pretty no nonsense guy, not without his flaws, but it he's more reasonable than anything that I'm seeing on the left. What? What? Than anything you're seeing on the left? Look, at I mean, listen, just in a sort of totally banal and milquetoast way. How is DeSantis more reasonable than just like Josh Shapiro in Pennsylvania? I mean, there's, it's he's he's too reasonable. It's too un, too milquetoast. You got to vote for him over Mastriano because he's he's so reasonable. There's just nothing controversial. DeSantis. Yeah, at least with his the way he handled covid. Yeah. You know, it's just it's one of those things where as it's all playing out, there's this sense of hopelessness because there's not a like a clearly defined path where this country's ship gets righted. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I just see a lot of chaos and and a lot of confusion and a lot of infighting. And I don't know how this 
plays out. And this is the tricky thing about these conversations, which is it they they don't wrongly identify certain issues. The infighting is insane. The division is insane. But it's insane because there's one side that has gone insane, making demonstrably false claims about everything, about um, the 2020 election, about vaccines, about trans people, about foreign policy, about it. So then they, and so DeSantis, what? It doesn't it doesn't seem like there's a real clear, oh, this is our path to sanity. Uh, you're right. And I think the first step towards that path, though, is people recognizing what the insanity is. Right. And they're not. If you listen to Tulsi, because she's telling you the insanity is woke elitism of a cabal and anti-white racism. And uh, who else knows? I don't even remember what else she said in that wacky video on Tuesday. And um, and and the problems. Um, and I think that more and more these things, these things are coming to light. Um, I can tell you, I mean, I, I know there are a lot of Democrats that feel the same kind of frustration that I feel with the Democratic Party leadership. Often quietly. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of quiet disagreement where people right. are just like, I don't, I'm not voting for Trump, but right. what the f are we doing? Right. And, and I think that. there's there's uh, there's that in the in the Republican Party as well. Yeah. And so I think that that creates yeah. opportunity. So quite literally now, the epitome of the enlightened centrist. And then just lastly on this, talking about um, the Russian invasion of Ukraine and well, let's just watch this first and then discuss with things like funding the Ukraine war with Russia. Please explain to people what that means and why why we're sending so much money over to Ukraine. Um, so so let's start with with that. Let's start with the military industrial complex. Okay. What is it? Who is it? It is these massive defense corporations who make uh all these different weapon systems from the smallest to the most powerful nuclear weapons and missiles. So Tulsi goes down the road of military industrial complex. Now, there's no greater critic of the military industrial complex than me. But what you have to understand here is that this isn't really the issue when it comes specifically to Ukraine. You could have a general conversation and say, should we be doing foreign aid? Should we be doing foreign aid with weaponry? If so, what types of countries should we support or not? But the focus now when it's like, listen, the Ukrainians are the victims of an act of aggression by Putin and they are trying to defend their country. And that's why with Ukraine, we are sending stuff that we already have and other countries are doing the same. But to make it all of a sudden about the military industrial complex now with Ukraine really misses the point of that particular engagement. And again, it's not about, oh, Tulsi's a Russian agent or whatever. No, it's not about that. It's this is exactly the ideology that plays right into Putin's hands, which is he's the guy doing the war of aggression. And the focus becomes, why are we sending anything to Ukraine, even though it's pennies? It's 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 a drop in the bucket what is being sent to Ukraine. And they are genuinely trying to defend themselves. So all the normal stuff from Tulsi on the Rogan program. And it is very disappointing. One more kind of Tulsi related thing. Um, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez held a uh, town hall recently, 
and it got invaded by, you know, I don't want to use, I know some people call them the Tulsi stands. Some call them the tool cells. I don't know who they are. There are people who just seem obsessed with Tulsi Gabbard and they uh, exploded during an AOC town hall. Take a look at this. Congresswoman, none of this matters unless there's a nuclear war, which you voted to send arms and weapons to Ukraine. Tulsi Gabbard, she's left the Democratic Party because there are only war hogs. Okay? You originally voted, you ran as an outsider, yet you've been voting to start this war in Ukraine. You're voting this She voted to start a war in Ukraine? I mean, what are you talking about? So now a second guy pops up. You voted to mobilize and send money to Ukrainian Nazis. Now, the entire Ukrainian Nazis thing. Are there some Nazis in Ukraine? Yes, there are Nazis in the U.S. as well. There's a lot of not the the U.S. military has quite a problem with right wing extremism. Um, But saying that what we're doing is supporting Nazis by slightly helping Ukraine to defend itself against this invasion of aggression from Russia, you're really missing the boat. He's telling the right truth. You have done nothing. Tulsi Gabbard has shown guts. It's almost like they're paid people, but I'm not I'm not saying they are, but it's so outrageous. You would say nobody could really believe this. You must be getting paid. You've shown cowardice. I believed in you and you became the very thing you sought to fight against. That's what you've become. Listen. There are many fair criticisms of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, but you're a warmonger. I don't know that that's really the right critique for AOC. And again, when when you only have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. When you're obsessed with the cult of personality around Tulsi Gabbard, anybody with a different view is wrong. And if it's a warmonger or whatever it is, you assign them that label. And that's what we're seeing here. And it's quite sad. Real quick, a fog. This is just like a small little side thing, but I found it interesting. Fox News host Jesse Waters was confused by the existence of Hispanic and Latin American Jews, and he, he genuinely is visibly confused. It's it's you know, it, it would be as if these people knew something about anything it's in there and he totally blows it because he was at a hearing. You remember Ted Cruz asked him and the guy's got weeks to prepare for the hearing. That's he all they know. do is prepare for hearings. And he goes, do you have any people that cross the border? No. Do you have any no, kids that are in your cages? No. Do you even know if Joe Biden or Kamala Harris went to the border in 2021? No, he couldn't answer. He couldn't answer anything. Now, he was probably nominated. At least that's the, what they tout is because he was Hispanic. He was born in Cuba. His parents are Jewish, which was confusing to me. But, you know, I don't know a lot about about that stuff. Yeah. No, we can tell you don't know much about that. And again, it, it just this is not like that exotic or bizarre of a thing. Um, there are plenty of Jews in Central and South America. I'm Jewish. I'm from Argentina. Plenty of Jews in Argentina. Jews have lived in Cuba for a very long time. There are some Cubans who actually their Jewish ancestry goes back to there's a weird term, but crypto Jews, Jews who were fleeing the Spanish Inquisition and lived as non-Jews, but were actually Jewish. And um, there's been Jewish immigration to Cuba 
um, you know, between 1900 and 1950 and many, many countries in Latin America with not insignificant Jewish populations, Argentina at the top of the list with about 180,000 Jews as of eight years ago. These numbers have changed. Brazil has close to 100,000 Jews, Mexico, 40,000, et cetera, et cetera. This is, you know, it would be nice if I'm not saying this is the standard by which we judge whether people know anything. I don't know much about Jews in Latin America, but it would be nice if just the reality of the world weren't so confusing to Fox News hosts and to these right wingers who are so confident in their opinions about everything, but they just know so little about everything as well. Disappointing, I think maybe is the term I would apply. Let me know your thoughts. Find me on Twitter at D Quick break. Great Friday show for you today. One of our sponsors is Helix Sleep. I have been sleeping on a Helix mattress for years, and I always recommend it to friends. You'd simply take this Helix Sleep quiz. It asks you about your body type, your sleep position, whether you have back pain, and then Helix will match you up with the mattress that is personalized to your needs, and they ship it to you for free. Another reason I went with Helix is that unlike a lot of mattress companies out there, Every single Helix mattress is made in the USA by a skilled production team, which means when you buy a Helix mattress, you are supporting great jobs. I'm not the only one who loves Helix. Helix was recently awarded number one mattress by both GQ and Wired magazine. Every Helix mattress comes with a 10 or 15 year warranty. You can try it 100 nights and send it back for a full refund if you need to support the David Pakman show by getting your next mattress from Helix Sleep, and you'll get up to $350 off any mattress plus two free pillows when you go to helixsleep.com slash Pacman. That's H-E-L-I-X-S-L-E-E-P dot com slash Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you to make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like managing finances with a partner without conflict, making a balanced budget, boosting your credit score, saving more money for retirement, all sorts of really useful topics. Most people in the audience know I'm a big financial literacy advocate. I can tell you nerd wallet does a fantastic job here. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. The David Pakman Show's longest running sponsor is Blinkist, the app that takes thousands of nonfiction books, boils each of them down into an explainer you can read or listen to in 15 minutes. Blinkist also condenses episodes of popular podcasts into 15 minute explainers. I've been using Blinkist for years to supplement the books I read. I love reading. I, I read all the time, but there's even more books I don't have time to read. And you can often find those nonfiction books on Blinkist and consume the entire thing in 15 minutes. My favorite new feature on the app is Blinkist Connect, which lets you share your Blinkist premium account with someone else. You basically get two accounts for the price of one, and then you can also share Blinkist books and podcasts between users. I have a joint Blinkist premium account 
with my girlfriend Blinkist Connect lets us sync together what books and podcasts we're listening to on Blinkist sparks many interesting discussions. We just listened to Robert Greene's The 48 Laws of Power, the new version. Robert Greene, super interesting writer, find his books fascinating. You can try Blinkist free for seven days and get 25 percent off a premium subscription at Blinkist.com slash David Pakman. That's B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash David Pakman to get Blinkist free for seven days and 25 percent off a subscription. The link is in the podcast notes. The David Pakman show is, of course, a community supported program. You are part of that community, and I would love for you to sign up and show your support, pledge your support at joinpacman.com. You can use the coupon code uh, Big Voting 22, a reminder about how important what we have coming up in early November is voting. Yes. And of course, you'll get all the member benefits no matter what discount you get, including the daily bonus show, commercial free audio and video streams of the show, members only town hall events and many, many other things. Let's hear from some people in the audience through discord. You can find our discord at davidpackman.com slash discord. Let's start today with Nevin in Tennessee. Nevin, welcome to the show. What's on your mind today? Uh, hey, David, I just wanted to ask about what your opinion is on the revolutionary left. And a lot of people on the revolutionary left I found have for some reason support China and Russia and the Ukrainian invasion. So I just want to know your thoughts on that. Yeah, you know, I think one of the things about the revolutionary left is they they claim to be against imperialism and colonialism when it's the United States and do not apply the same standards to other countries. Now, of course, sometimes circumstances are different in other countries than in the United States. If you take a country without a colonial history that's tiny with a small economy or whatever, it would be logical to think about the country differently than the United States. But there are certain principles that to me. Are of paramount importance, I'm against authoritarianism, I'm against um, uh, theocracy, I'm against you know, all these different things. So when I see authoritarianism in China or in Venezuela or wherever, I'm against that because that's an important principle to me. And I would like to see these so-called revolutionary leftists maybe apply those standards uniformly. Okay, thanks for answering my question. Congrats on one point five million subscribers, by the way. Thank you. And we are heading on to two million. That's the new that's the new uh, goal. And I hope that we we get there soon. Yeah, thank you. All right, good. Nevin, not super excited about two million, but that's okay. We're going to we're going to work towards it. It's going to be a great thing. Let's go next to Win from Indiana. Win, welcome to the program. What's on your mind today? Hey, David, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, so uh, I have an exam in like three hours in uh, regulatory economics. Mm -hmm. um, so I have a question on monopolies. Okay. So what are your views on like um, not really regulating monopolies because what I've learned and like from game theory and such, uh, some monopolies are actually good where it can compete with bigger firms. I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but I'm not sure how to articulate it well. Well, so here's the thing. The problem with monopoly power is that it bec becomes so, so 
you've got to, first you've got to back up and you have to say, what are our principles here? If you claim to be about allowing markets to direct resources, right? Like if you're a supply, supply and demand guy, for lack of a better term, mm. you yeah. have to recognize that a monopoly is getting out of pure supply and demand because the monopoly can get a stranglehold on an industry to the point yeah. where normal market forces no longer apply either because of barriers to entry or the dynamics of market share or for other reasons. So if you claim to care about markets directing resources and supply and demand, then it follows that you have to be against most monopolies. Now, there can be exceptions. There could be areas of society where, for example, I as a social Democrat think that in certain areas, we don't want markets to direct resources. So I've talked about healthcare. I've talked about public education and some others. You might decide that there's certain areas where monopoly power is actually OK or good, either for regulatory reasons or whatever. But the first question is, what is your view on markets directing resources? That has to be answered first before you can answer the question about monopoly power. Mm -hmm. so, so what I'm getting at is like social efficiency. So, for example, in the event where there's like, a, let's say Walmart, right, mm -hmm. or whatever, it's, it's like a big, big retail company. And there are like the, let's say there's Walmart and there's other three small retail companies. Yep. Um, Walmart is like the dominant, like they have the majority market share. Yes. Is, do you think it's okay if you allow the two smaller industries, I mean, two smaller companies to merge in order to compete with Walmart because you know Walmart is dominating the market share. Now, if the government allows the two other companies to compete to uh, merge, that would be a competitive to Walmart, which reduces Walmart's market share. Therefore, it creates a better competition. If that's, that's Walmart kind of what I'm getting. still has the lion's share of the market share, even after the merger of the two smaller players, the monopoly mm -hmm. issue really isn't with the merger of the two smaller players. It's with Walmart. And you've still got an oligopoly primarily controlled mm -hmm. by one player. So you're absolutely correct. I don't think it actually is a tough one because the merger of the two smaller companies doesn't change the dynamics of Walmart as the monopoly or the near monopoly. Mm -hmm. But it could become a duopoly, right? It, yes, it could. Absolutely. And would you be in favor of that? If because you are you are a social democrat and you believe in markets, depends on the like industry, if, depends on the specific. You, the, it's such a specific question. You've really got to look at the particulars of the situation. Very hard to answer in the, in the abstract. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So like, yeah, I'm I'm actually like looking into it like according to like looking at the market share and like the math behind it, like the whether if these two companies merge, is it really going to create? social efficiency, which means like, is it going to give more options to c consumers? If you know what I'm getting at, because that is a very important more. question to be asking. And also, does it benefit consumers? Many of these telecom mergers, when you ask that question, you say, well, actually, it's not really going to be good for consumers in any way. It'll probably just lead to higher prices and worse customer service. Mm, yeah. yeah. Well, listen, good luck on the exam, my friend. Oh, thank you so much. All right. There is win from Indiana. Very, very important question. Let's go next to Chris from Austin, Texas. Chris from Austin. Uh, what's on your mind today? Chris from Austin, Texas, you are unmuted. 
but we can't hear you, which probably means you have the wrong audio device selected in Discord. Chris from Austin, Texas, go ahead. And last chance for Chris from Austin, Texas, whose audio is not working. And there it is, Chris from Austin, Texas, with a technical issue. Let's go to Byte from Deltona. Byte, welcome to the program. What's on your mind today? Thanks, David. Um, I just want to start by saying that um, I am sort of a fellow bicultural uh, denizen of the world. I I was uh, have split time um, from the time I was zero to 18 between Peru and the United States. And uh, the reason I mentioned that, I think it's important because when you do get your education outside of the United States, of course, you kind of, you know, pull yourself out of the indoctrination stream, um, you know, the cultural, um, uh, you know, indoctrination and social conditioning that takes place if you experience the American educational system from, you know, grade, you know, kindergarten through high school. Um, so I just kind of want to throw that out. I wanted to get your take on an idea that I had based on a letter that I received from Marco Rubio with regards to abortion. Okay. Um, the thing that he states in his letter is, uh, that he is defending the rights of the 65 million unborn children, uh, that did not get to experience the dream, the American dream because of the during the 50 years. Right. They were uh, never born, in other words. Right. Right. So he's defending their rights. Now, I had a thought about possibly painting them into a corner uh, because technically speaking, you know, uh, from their position, my understanding would be that they are they're defending the rights of the fetus to be born. Yeah. And And here's the thing. I think it's important to mention they would say that it's a person already, and that's why it has rights. Right. So exactly. But here's where I'm going with this. Yes. Now, when we're born, of course, we have a federal Social Security number, which basically establishes our uh, our identity. I personally think that we should be able to legally argue in court that if the states are going to defend the fetus, they would be required to give that fetus an identification number. And at that point in time, also, of course, uh, state all the benefits that that fetus is going to be uh, uh, and the host is going to receive on the basis of that uh, uh, establishment of identity. Got it. Yes. I'm one step ahead of you on this. I've got a number of different clips you can find in which I point out this hypocrisy. If you're talking about a person at conception, uh, should have a social security number, should qualify for child support, should prevent, um, a month. If, if the pregnant mother is an undocumented immigrant, she shouldn't be able to be deported because it's already a person and it's here in the United States. There's a whole list of these. You're, uh, the concept is absolutely right, and I've elaborated on it before. Okay, so you said that uh, you agree with that 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 would that would paint them into a corner. As no, as I mean they'll come up with they'll they'll come up with some way out of it. But I agree with you that it exposes a hypocrisy for sure. 
Okay. All right. Cool. Well, thanks for uh, your comment on that. And sorry I missed that before. But oh, no problem. Started started listening to you. You know, right uh, around uh, the the twenty sixteen election or right before that. So, Appreciate it know. very much. Thank you for the call. All right. Take it easy. All right. You too. Uh, yeah, that's that's very very uh, astute observation for sure. There. Uh, okay. Remember that if you'd like to get on your nickname in the waiting lobby on discord needs to be name and location of where you're calling from. It doesn't even have to be real, but it has to be name and location. Otherwise, you are not going to be eligible to participate today. Let's go to Carl from Bremerton. Carl, welcome. What's on your mind today? Uh, How's it going, David? It's going Um, so pretty much what I wanted to say was um, should I feel like I shouldn't be, but should I be celebrating the like win of Tim Ryan against JD Vance in the line of the year? And that's getting a lot of traction and whatnot, even though I find him much less liberal than I like, but I understand it's because he's in Ohio yeah. and he has to kind of walk that weird line where he's got to get the indecisive Trump voters. But what, also, what is, let me address that in liberals. a moment. But what was the line of the year? I watched the debate. What was the line of the year? Uh, it was the, the we need a ass kicker, not an ass kisser. Like oh, everyone's okay. saying yeah. it's no, line was, of the year. And here's like, the thing. It, you know, it was a good line. Like I, I remember being like, wow, like I was watching it when you watch it and I reacted the same way. I, I but, like Tim Ryan as a person. He's been on the show and I've had a couple conversations with him off air, like before we, we did an interview. Um, I, to be honest, I don't know Tim Ryan's real politics. And what I mean by that is at one point he seemed quite a bit more progressive to me than the way he's running right now. I understand the dynamics of Ohio may impact how he's running. He's been critical on issues related to the border of Kamala Harris and Biden and all these other things. Um, I think that as a practical matter, J.D. Vance is such a dangerous disaster that like you just got to vote for Tim Ryan. If you live in Ohio, it's obviously the right decision. But Mm -hmm. without a doubt, the way he's running now, it's well to my right. That's for damn sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and that's pretty much how I felt was like, hey, this I'm glad that this is like because this seems like I feel like if I was an indecisive like voter that was like maybe think of voting for Trump, if I saw that and actually looked into it, they'd be like, wow, he is like awful. I should definitely vote for that guy. But for me, I'm from Washington. So like I'm pretty liberal anyway. So when I see that and then I hear him talking about how he agreed with Trump, I'm like, I don't think that's something I'd be like, yo, I don't think that's something I would be like happy about. But like then I'm like, you know, he is in Ohio. So I get it. That's why I'm struggling with what to do. Overwhelmingly the better option. And also, oh, yeah. if he was a presidential candidate, I'd say you sound almost like a Republican. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah. All right, Carl, thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. All right. That's a big race. So I hope all of our Ohio voters will indeed be uh, voting in that one. It is extremely, extremely important. Uh, let's go next to Lucian from England. Lucian, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Hello. Hey. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Ah, there we go. Um, thanks for picking. Um, first of all, how much are you keeping up with the economic and political situation in the UK? What's your general take on it? Only a little bit. I, if I understand correctly, it seems there are significant economic concerns in the UK. Liz Truss initially planned a tax cut for the rich, which, correct me if I'm wrong, she has since abandoned because in the context of yeah. what's going on, it seemed like a disastrously bad idea. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And then I saw an economic prediction that uh, the UK could have 
some serious hurt in front of it as well. Uh, no, I don't know that I have any particular opinion. I mean, I think the um, I, I when I read the headlines about specifically what's predicted in the UK economically, I wonder whether it's really just going to be part of a bigger economic shift in the US and Western Europe. Like, I'm not fully understanding why this would be isolated to the UK. That's what I was going to ask as to what extent some of the same issues present in the USA as well. Absolutely. I mean, our economies are so tied together and dependent upon upon many of the same industry and industries, many of the same trade relationships. Obviously, our, our stock markets don't move in lockstep necessarily, but it seems strange to see some sky is falling predictions for the UK and then some predictions in the US that after December 2023 should actually look pretty good. It seems hard to imagine that there would be such a stark difference. We'll see what happens. I think the the interest rate question is probably the most pressing right now. Um, It's pretty dire here, I'd say, in terms of interest rates. I'd say me and my partner just bought a house two or three months ago. We, We managed to complete that. If we were to have done it now, instead, we would be paying 50% more per month on our mortgage, basically. What are mortgage rates in the UK? Um, when we got it, it was about 2.5%. I believe now it's gone up to 6%. Oh, so similar to here. Similar to here, yeah. Yeah, that's okay, a that, big that's difference. Uh, good thing you bought when you did, I guess. Very, very lucky. Uh, just another really quick question. Y- you said you've got some heritage from Eastern Europe, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, almost exclusively. Have you have you actually been there? In no, your life? I have not. If you'd uh, if you'd be interested, I'd, I'd be quite curious to know what you think about the culture and everything. I'm from there initially. Yeah, I mean, so one of the things is my family being all Jews from Eastern Europe. They, you know, spoke a different language and sort of were were relatively uh, concentrated in certain communities due to some unfortunate realities at the time. Um, and so, you know, I think that by by and large, the culture in which my ancestors lived primarily have sort of eroded in Eastern Europe, in you know Ukraine and Russia and, and Belarus. So I don't even know that I could really I could go and see what the culture is like now. I don't think I would have the experience of seeing what was the culture that my ancestors lived in because it's mostly gone. Right. I understand that. That's yeah. really, really unfortunate. Yeah. All right. Okay, Lucian, thank you very appreciate much. The call. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Let's take a very quick break. If you're holding, don't hang up because we're going right back to the phones in a moment. Our sponsor, Magic Spoon, is the breakfast cereal that tastes amazing, but without the sugar, carbs and the crazy ingredients. Magic Spoon has taken your favorite childhood cereals and brilliantly transformed them into something you can feel good about eating because each serving has zero grams of sugar under five net carbs and is packed with 13 grams of protein. So it'll work for keto and low carb, but it's really perfect for anyone who wants the occasional sweet, crunchy treat without the sugar. Their portfolio of eight plus unique, delicious flavors allow you to never get bored. My favorite is maple waffle, but they've got the classics like cocoa, fruity, frosted, also cinnamon roll, blueberry muffin. Our entire team has been eating Magic Spoon for years. We love it. But if you don't, they send you all your money back. It's really easy. Magic Spoon has been supporting The David Pakman Show for a long time. They always give my audience $5 off when you go to magicspoon.com slash Pacman and use the code Pacman 
you can just tap the link in the podcast notes. Let's uh, get back to discord. Davidpackman.com slash discord. We are taking calls for the week and seeing what's on people's minds. Let's go. Um, why don't we go next to Derek from Orange County? Derek, what's going on? Hi, David. I had a quick question about um, generally how you see the uh, MAGA GOP and feel free to reframe the question if it's a little too convoluted for you. OK, um, I just wanted to ask how you see this current iteration of the MAGA GOP. Do you see it as a logical conclusion of the modern GOP as, as though they're leaving behind folks like Romney, Liz Cheney? Were were their politics like a necessary conclusion to or logical conclusion to what we're seeing now with the current MAGA GOP? Listen, I don't know about logical conclusion, but there is a continuum. And I talked about this earlier in the week where this all go the, the modern MAGA GOP is the conclusion. Let's wait on logical, but it's the conclusion to civil rights era starts upsetting 1950s conservatives who feel as though uh, minorities are starting to get too many rights and too entitled or whatever leads to Reagan uh, and anti-welfare sentiment and some kind of like meme politics leads to the Gingrich takeover as Speaker of the House in 94 and radicalization of the party. Clinton derangement syndrome during the Ken Starr Lewinsky investigation. Dumb, dumb George W. Bush that ushered in kind of just a lot of non thinking people into the party. Obama, which coalesced a bunch of racists into the party and conspiracy theorists. And then Trump was sort of like the final layer so far, like there will be more layers as time goes forward. So whether it's logical, I don't know, but it's been a steady 50 year decline. So in that sense, it's not completely unpredictable, I guess I would say. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty pretty kind of new to in terms of like paying attention to politics, I would say ever since I guess Trump. But I feel like for some reason, when the sentiment of like not really accepting election results doesn't feel too new to me, but it's definitely a lot more prevalent in this current political climate right now. Absolutely. I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. I completely agree with that. Yeah, it's become, you know, uh, it's the overt nature and brazen nature of if we win, it was fair. But if we lost, it was rigged. That is that that feels new and different. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking my call. I really appreciate you summarizing that very clearly for me. I, ap- I appreciate the opportunity to do so very much. Thank you for the call. Let's keep going. I mean, the, the calls have really been quite good today. We don't want to uh, depart from that. If you can imagine, that would be sad. Let's go to Mark from Los Angeles, California. Mark, what's going on? Keep us going here. Hey, David. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Um, question. Uh, first of all, I just wanted to know, do you think that Mike Lindell um, has the, I remember you discuss, described a sort of um, persistent delusion that is focused. Oh, paraphrenia. Uh, yeah, because it was just, Watching that interview, first of all, it was exhausting. Congratulations to being able to survive it. Because, I mean, after a certain point of his, he's so relentless. You just want to start yelling at him. I know. Because he just can't. He doesn't. The, one of the things is, is terrible about talking to him is that he doesn't really listen to you and, and try to process what you're Correct. saying. And, and try to come back with a, a cogent answer that actually pertains to what you said. He just has this 
gish gallop of 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 things to say and and it once you try to once you knock something down he denies that but not fully and yes, then moves then on to something on else three or four more things yeah and it's just like i was just like you need help or or maybe someone needs to interview him who literally is just as rude as he is right Um, No, it's difficult. And I got both positive and negative feedback about how I handled the interview. And the thing is, you have to kind of think about other ways to handle it. I could interrupt a lot more, but I already got some criticism for interrupting too much. I could not interrupt at all, in which case we would have one gish gallop for 30 minutes and then we don't go absolutely anywhere else. Um, You know, you can always make the argument that I could have been more prepared and you can always be more prepared. But the problem is, he can always find some small fire to set with something I haven't heard of, no matter how much prep I do. So it, it is really difficult to handle those interviews. Yeah, it's kind of reminiscent of what Bill Maher was saying, why he wouldn't. Was it Bill Maher? Sam Harris. Saying, Sam Harris. Sam Harris. Exactly. Oh, you know exactly. For, yep. Wow. Like, like, it's like telekinetics. But yeah, that's exactly what I was saying. What, uh, what Sam Harris is saying, why he won't have on anti-vaxxers. Right. Because he just, you know. They can always just, say, what about end the study from Kathmandu's regional hospital? You know, it's like, I don't know. I didn't see that. Does it really change that everything? Yeah. Oh, that's a win. Right. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Uh, uh. Mark, also, are, you, uh, are you originally from like New York or Long Island? I'm originally from Washington, D.C. Oh, interesting. Oh, I thought I heard a little, a little bit of a New York accent there. No, 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 no. Washington, D.C., born and raised, born in Howard University Hospital, went to Howard University. Beautiful. Um, yeah. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to say is um, uh, I was watching one of your live feeds and, and you were playing some voicemail. And um, there was a there was a black gentleman who was was discussing how um, Herschel Walker fills in certain uh, very negative stereotypes about black people. And you didn't want to pay it, play it too long because it, it got, it got a little dark. Uh, I, so I was worried I was, about mod, like terms and conditions, having an issue on like some of the platforms we were on. Like I know the oh, point I, he was making, but it could be the type of thing yeah. that we get dinged for. Okay. I see. I see. Cause I was thinking like, I was actually watching MSNBC and, uh, the, one of the shows on there with the, hosted by, um, I forget her name. It's a black woman, but, uh, but she, um, one of the her guests actually made a really great comment about the fact that Herschel Walker is an insult to black excellence, mm. and and that he fulfills many of the stereotypes that white people have about about black men. He literally is a walking embodiment of of almost every single concept right. that, that that black men have been strapped with since slavery. You know, so um, and and that's one of the, it's funny enough. You, you are you familiar with Rashad Ritchie? Indisputable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he actually tried to interview. Um, what's the guy's name? He was he was caught having sex with men. What's his name? I have <laughs> no idea. Name? I don't know. Um, I'm the, the the guy that you you've interviewed him twice. He's, oh, he's Jesse the guy Lee Peterson. Who, Jesse Lee Peterson. He didn't make it through two two questions with Jesse Lee Peterson. In oh, I'm gonna have to check that out because he could smell it a mile away. And if you're familiar with Aaron Aaron Magruder's show, The Boondocks, he very much embodies that um, that character, that stereotype that he has on there. That sort of like you know, it, it gives a a visceral reaction to African Americans that's kind of shocking, and we immediately want to just shut it down immediately because. 
it's it kind of calls back to some things that are very dark. Well, so Mark, listen, you really it. said it all. Uh, I appreciate the call. I hope all is well in L.A. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, I love your show. Keep Thank doing the you. commentary. And um, yeah, I hope to hear. Did you make did you did you say anything about the debate that happened? Um with, um, in Ohio? Yes, we, we streamed it live. Mark, I got to run because I got so many people waiting. All right, my friend? Okay, okay. okay thank you. Well, There's Mark from ahead. L.A. with the many, many questions, some of which, some of which I was able to answer. Let's go to Terrence from Delaware. Terrence, what's going on? Hi, uh, David. It's good to, good to talk to you. Um, thank you for your uh, content. I've been watching you since uh, around the January 6th incident. Um, thank you. I just have a quick question um so for the average person uh what do you think is the most effective thing that they can do and i'm gonna give you an example because i know it's sort of a broad question um so for me the most important issue is facing americans and humanity is climate change and sort of uh environmental protections and so i would say the most important things are sort of voting and then maybe putting your uh your money towards politicians that favor environmentalism right it's it's sort of hard for me as an individual to invest in long-term environmentalism but i would say that's the most important for for that particular issue so i don't know if you have a good answer to that question i mean these it's the question about the meta issues which i've talked about a little before how our politics is financed is one of the most important things. Climate and environment, as you're talking about, is one of the most important things. How our elections are managed and held, which by which we're talking about, you know, first past the post voting, et cetera, making sure everybody votes um, and then media coverage of political issues. Those to me are the most important for meta issues and whatever you care about, be it education or abortion or whatever. Um, I think it it comes from down. They are downstream from those four issues. So I think voting and working on those four issues are the most important things we can do. Great. Thank you. All right. Terrence from Delaware. Very much appreciate the call. Let's go to Aiden from the D.C. area. Aiden, welcome to the program. What's going on? Hey, how you doing? doing uh, well. I've been watching your show for years, probably since 2017, 2018. Thank you. Um, just kind of happened upon the channel today and noticed that you were live. I don't really have any particular question, but um, I, I work at a restaurant in D.C. And uh, I was actually driving around D.C. Um, on January 6th. Mm. And I'll tell you, it was like when they finally sent people to D.C. from Maryland, it was the most amount of police vehicles I've ever seen in my life. Oh, interesting. Um, but I, I work with some um, deniers of the 2020 election and like even to this day like we've talked about it all and they're just like like you they still don't believe that biden won and i i guess my question to you is at this point you know what what can you do to deprogram people i at this point i don't know I, i we recently looked at a poll where something like uh it was either 40 or 55 percent of Republicans still believe that Trump is actually the winner. It's it's dangerously delusional. And honestly, I'm sort of at the ready to give up phase where my thought process is we just need enough voter turnout to make them 
irrelevant. And of course, that's a lot of voter turnout that you need. But if they still believe it at this point, what could we possibly show them that would change their minds? And in fact, I would put it a different way. They weren't really given any evidence to get them to start believing this stuff. So I don't even know that evidence is what's going to get them out of it. Correct. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, you know, and the my problem is, is there's there's so many of them, you know, it's it's easy to it's say, true, well, yeah. just ignore them and get enough votes. But we're talking about tens of millions of people here who believe this stuff. You know, if you say it's half of the people that voted Trump, you're talking about 35 ish million people who believe that the guy who lost actually is the guy who won. I don't. What do you do? What do you it's you can't fix education quickly. I mean, these are adults. They're not in the in the school system anymore to, to learn critical thinking and media literacy. Um, there, I I'm at a loss, quite frankly. I don't know. Yeah. See, I'm a server, so I come across a lot of people uh, from both sides. And I've had some pretty aggressive Trump supporters come in that I've had to serve. Really? Um, Like, do they try to talk politics with you? Absolutely. Uh, How does it it come up? Well, uh, usually it's it's some jab at Biden. Oh, that Brandon guy, you know, with our taxes. Excuse my language. But, you know, something like that. And it's just kind of shove it down your throat mentality. <laughs> wow. Uh, so, and then how do you respond? Um, I honestly just try to agree with them because, you know, I, like as, as lightly as I can and just avoid the subject as, you know, serving them. I don't want to, you know, offend them in any way. How I'd do the MAGA just, people tip? Um, if, <laughs> if they don't think you're a Democrat, I pretty well, I'd guess. Is that you think that that's a factor? I, I do. I actually do. Have you had but, uh, situations? Not, not with everybody. Just just I would say more uh, the extremists. Type. Have you had situations where a customer gleaned the fact that you were not a MAGA guy and that your tip suffered as a result? Not that I would directly say like that had happened, but um, I've never given it away that I'm not, you know, for either side. Gotcha. If somebody brings it up. Wow. I, well, I try that to stay sounds, very apolitical. Uh, sounds complex, I'll have to say. Yeah, I I just try to avoid confrontation. I completely agree. At with the you. same time, with with people I work with it, that I'm more close to and I care about, when the, when I see that they believe something that's inherently false and they're just on this side of crazy, and I'm, you know, I I just can't think of what to do or say to bring them back to reality. Reality, yeah. No, if you but, figure it out, but other, let me know, other than I haven't figured other it than, out. Other than politics, you know, everything's great. But when it comes to that, it's just like they're in a different land. I completely agree with you. Aiden, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Yeah, keep doing what you do, David. Take All care. Right. How many times have we heard stories like that from servers at restaurants? It's a, quite quite a situation. Um, people in transportation, Uber drivers, we hear it from everybody, quite frankly. All right, everybody, we're going to take a quick break. We will ba- be back with more Friday show right after this. One of our sponsors today is Busy Box Child. I know that there are many parents in our audience. This is for you. Busy Box Child offers really great subscription boxes for kids filled with sensory toys that will help your toddler to elementary age child stay off screens and do some really interesting stuff. Technology use by kids is at an all time high, especially after the pandemic. Playing off of screens is really critical for development, for cognitive development, social, emotional well-being for kids. It's an ideal opportunity for parents to engage with kids as well. 
Carolyn is the founder of Busy Box Child. She's a mom and a child clinical psychologist who designs all the boxes that you receive. Busy Box Child offers monthly sensory kits with different themes for each season, or you can get a monthly sand bin subscription for hours and hours of fun. Check out their mini jars and mini kits for playtime on the go. Busy Box Child is a small business that supports The David Pakman Show. Support them. Go to busyboxchild.com and use the code Pacman for 10% off. You can find the info in the podcast notes. All right, let's get into audience emails for the week. You can email info at davidpacman.com. Sometimes uh, tweets or Facebook messages or YouTube comments may be included. Um, let's just uh, get right into it because there's so many to get to today. You know, one of the funny things that happens every time we stream a uh, Trump rally is people who have no idea about our channel or anything. They'll just kind of like come by because they're looking for the rally and then they'll see, oh, here's someone talking about it. That's me. And then they'll realize I'm not saying positive things. And then they get really mad and they will start emailing. So as you can see, this one in particular happened during uh, a recent uh, rally on a Saturday. And Landon wrote in and just does in all caps. We love Donald Trump. You are. And then that was the end of the email. Apparently, they accidentally sent it. So then they follow up and they say a bum. They meant you are a bum. Pack it up, loser. And then a little bit later, by the end of the thing, they, they say, I can't wait until the Patriots cancel you and you need to get a real job. Get a real job, commie. And uh, this is pretty common. Of course, this is not a communist show and this is a real job. <laughs> and, and in fact, I think that lots of these folks have no clue what is going on when it comes to independent media. But I always appreciate them coming by and contributing their, you know, uh, increasing the view count by one, increasing the comment count by a couple. So thanks, Landon. Uh, Monty wrote in also during a recent Trump rally and said, you are a stoop. SOB, you think dumbass Biden is good for this country when we are paying $5 a gallon under his administration, $5 for a loaf of bread? Eggs are twice as much now than when Trump was president. I could on and on ab about the inflation under Biden. I also live by the Mexico USA border, and I've never seen so bad as it is now. Crime has doubled under Biden. And on that subject, I could go on and on. I came upon your show by accident, and I'm glad I did, because now I can use you to show my liberal friends just how stupid they are. When Biden is not trying to introduce dead people, he's wrecking our country with the support of idiots like you. Well, Monty, I'd appreciate you sending some of those folks to my channel. We're, we're trying to get to two million subscribers on YouTube. So, uh, yeah, send them my way. I would very, very much appreciate that. Julia wrote in about my commentary last week about um, uh, leftism, masculinity and the poll that found that young women are moving more to the left, but young men are not. And Julia said, I thought about your segment today on the young women becoming more leftist as opposed to young men staying where they are. I agree with you that many men simply don't admit to others that they're on the left. And the reason could be backlash from the right leaning friends and family. 
Just look at these crazy right-wing nuts calling you gay pejoratively without any reason, solely based on political opinion. Keep doing what you're doing. Best of luck to you and your family. Yeah, I, I think that Julia is more or less spot on, and it more or less also echoes the comments that I made last week. You know, there's been this sort of cartoonish stereotype of what masculinity is supposed to be under the Republican Party. And what's really funny about it is that Trump has espoused that idea. And so have many of his followers, despite Trump himself not actually being that, uh, in fact, being very much the opposite in many ways. And that's because the facts don't really matter. It just it, it doesn't really make a difference to them. Um, but that is the sort of picture that they have designed. And it's not a new picture, right? I mean, when we talk about they want to go back to the to the 1950s, part of what we're talking about are those quite rigid views, in fact, on uh, on gender and femininity and masculinity. So I think I think Julie is definitely onto something. Here's another message. Uh, Trump missing documents a while back when this was breaking someone on MT, I don't know what that is, speculated about them being in Ivanka's casket, the documents being in Ivanka's casket. Now, I think what the person means is Ivana's casket. Ivana Trump recently died. It was all about the same time. And she noted that it took 10 strong men to carry the casket, which supposedly contains her ashes. She was mostly joking, but the more things move along, the more it seems plausible. Don't they have some ground penetrating radar they could use to check it out? Listen, I have heard all of these different hypotheses about uh, Ivana was buried where she was buried, I guess, at or near some golf course for a tax deduction. Um, there are documents in the casket. There are burned up documents. And I have no idea. Uh, it's really not super interesting to me. There are so many other things going on. It's speculative. I don't know that we would ever really find out if something like that was going on. My thought is I don't want to put too much of my time into that, but I know that there are many people who have been speculating about the details of Ivana Trump's casket. I will leave it to them. Luke wrote in and says, thank you. Hey, David, just want to say thanks for all of your work on the show. Congratulations on one point five million subscribers. I've been listening to your show for about three years now and much more engaged in politics than I was before I started listening. I used to be sort of an apolitical independent who thought both left and right were equally bad. Ah, yes, we called that enlightened centrism. Uh, OK, over the past few years, I've started to realize how the radical how radical the right wingers have become in the Trump era and consider myself very left leaning now. You certainly have had a big influence on that change. You also have a talent for clearly communicating ideas. That is all too rare, which I find myself emulating to some degree in my job as a teacher. Keep up the good work. You're making a difference. Here's to two million subscribers. You know, it's so rare that we just get like a nice email in of that kind that I love that and I love featuring it. Johnny Road wrote in. And says there are multiple. Oh, how many followers on Twitter have you lost? There are multiple countless of reporting of users that are reporting that they have lost tens of thousands of followers. Have you lost many or any? I don't even follow these people and never would writing an article about it now. Yeah. So when it 
the first time that it was announced that Elon Musk was buying Twitter, tons of uh, right wing accounts gained a ton of followers and some left wing accounts lost some followers. I lost some. It wasn't really clear why. Uh, Was it people leaving the platform, joining the platform because of the news? I guess. Um, Then it looked like Elon Musk wasn't going to buy Twitter. Now that again, it's looking like he might buy it. um, There were I, I lost four followers on the day of that announcement. Now, I gain followers every day. Like you go, you go back hundreds of days every day I gain followers. So losing any is weird. I don't really understand it. Maybe it's that on the news of Elon buying Twitter again, a bunch of left wingers said, I'm not going to be on a platform owned by Elon Musk. So they, they quit, they canceled and deleted their account. I don't really know, but it was uh, very, very minimal, at least on my end. Edward wrote in about current gas prices. And says, David, sir, why is it that Republicans no longer talk about gas prices? Pretty obvious. I just think it's funny how Republicans only pin gas prices on Biden when they're high. To be clear, I'm in agreement with you. President doesn't control gas prices in either direction. I just find it funny how Biden is only associated with high gas prices in their mind. Love your show, Edward. Well, Edward's wrong about one thing. It is true that many of them are just not talking about gas prices anymore. Many are talking about them in line. Trump keeps saying they're so high and they're going even higher and he'll use numbers a little bit less now that gas prices are down. The other thing is over the last few days, they've actually started to tick back up. And again, these very same people who have been totally silent on it for weeks now, months, in fact, are now back to talking about the gas prices. It's the same circle. It's worthless. It's it's really not worth much of our time. They're going to do their routine no matter what's going on with gas prices. Uh, it, I say we just move on and focus on more important things. A.T. wrote in and asks why. Says Trump's most likely going to run for president again. My question is, why would someone enter a race and expect to win when they know the other side's cheating? If he enters the presidential race, it is a total admission. He never believed the race was stolen. Not quite. The logic here is good logic, which is if Democrats have it all rigged, why would any Republicans even bother to run? Why would any Republicans even bother to vote? Because Democrats are just going to steal it. The way they get around this is they say, if enough of us vote, it will overwhelm the voter fraud. And so we can still win, even though there will be some fraud. That's how they kind of close the illogical loop of logic that they've created. They say, yes, there's going to be fraud. It's rigged. They're cheating. But if we have a big enough margin, we'll end up winning by a little bit after all of their cheating is accounted for. I I know it doesn't make any sense. It's completely wacky, but that's their argument. That's what they claim. Info at davidpackman.com. Get your questions in comments, requests for corrections. I'm glad to entertain and even a little bit of trolling, not too much, but a little bit of trolling. We have a great bonus show for you today. Sign up at joinpacman.com. You'll get instant access, instant. And then if you are not part of that group, we'll be back Monday with a new show and a new bonus.